Today's guest is Renard Hanna. Renard had a profound near-death experience, and today we're going to learn about it. Renard, thank you for joining me, and welcome. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, so my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences, and if you don't mind, can we start on the day that yours happened? Yes, certainly. Um, The day was, uh, I know it exactly because it was my 43rd birthday that I uh, planned uh, this occasion. And um, so that was November 7th, uh, 2013. And um, uh, so uh, on all accounts, it should have been a regular day um, as far as my wife and my dog and my step uh, daughter was concerned. I was off. I was head. To, I was out to head to work. Um, uh, tattoo shop I owned in Nashua, New Hampshire, um, for nearly ten years. And I was just going to work, but in my mind, I knew uh, I was I was going to end it that day and uh, end my life. And uh, so I left the house. Uh, with a trying to be normal, yet knowing I was uh, leaving, uh, uh, saying goodbye to my wife for the last time, and, and my pug, my little black pug, my my stepdaughter was already in school, and it was, it was turmoil in my mind. I had to go in the basement and uh, pull out a, a thirty-two caliber gun that I had hidden down there. Um, uh, in, in the brick wall uh, to take with me to the site that I decided uh, to do the deed. And um, so, so uh, you know, I, I said goodbyes as normally as I could possibly can, probably with a little deeper, stronger, longer hugs, um, which probably gave me away a little bit. But um, But I was still off on my way and it was a rainy day and I was, uh, I, I chose to go to, uh, a cemetery because I'm, a, I'm an old goth, an old metalhead, uh, and I'm a taphophile and, uh, I, I enjoy cemeteries. I find a lot of peace in cemeteries. So I wanted to end my life there, um, uh, in the cemetery and, uh, Boscoin, I believe it was, no, it wasn't, I forget where it was in New Hampshire. And, um, so uh, should I go into that or? Um, I mean, sure. Go on with that? Yeah, that's great. Uh, um, uh, so, so yeah, I was basically, it was, it was the oddest ride of my life, you know, driving to my own execution. Um, I still remember that as, as I recall uh, crossing over and everything, the whole experience was just going very slowly. And um so I made it to the cemetery in this on this perfectly rainy day on my 43rd birthday, and uh, I, I walked all the way to the back of it. It was a historic, typical New England cemetery, you know, unique in its own as they all are. Um, and uh, so I, I, I moved to the back. I went over your, the stone wall, and I found a stone. Uh, beyond the wall to, to lean against, to sit down. And, uh, I played some music 
uh, I'm such a music lover and a musician myself that I, I wanted to go out with some music and I had an iPod at the time and I was, I played some Amber, a band called Amber Asylum. And, um, uh, I just, I just sat and listened to the music and waited for the moment. Uh, I didn't know how far into an album I, I was, I was going to go before I, I, I made the move, but, um, but uh, I, I was an agnostic up to that point. And, um, and so I believed in the spirit world. I believed in God. I believed in uh, evil forces and forces of good and love and light. But I just never invested in any of that. I just, I didn't, I didn't buy any of what man understood of it. And, uh, and I was, I was, pushed away from my upbringing, my Catholic uh, upbringing from, from looking back, it was due to its fundamentalism. um, It's rigid fundamentalism. And I was like, no, this is, this can't be what God is all about. And it it tore me away. And, uh, and I didn't want to believe in uh, Satanism or Satan either. I thought, Oh, why would I love a force that hates and loathes me? You know? So, you know, I could never understand that. So I, I just chose to be agnostic, and um, I felt that that you know left me open to demonic forces that probably led me to that situation I was in at that on that day because uh, I had no protective forces. Though I did, I later found out that I still had protective guardian angels um, that were seeing you know that that saved me from earlier near death experiences. Uh, 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 other than taking my own life, just reckless living. Um, but at that point, uh, I, I did probably due to my Christian upbringing or Catholic upbringing, um, and nothing against the Catholic church, you know, they're all trying to find their way to God. Um, but it just didn't serve me right with that particular church. I was introduced to it through. And, um, uh, but, um, so I did reach out to God. I was like, well, I'm not going to reach out to demonic forces. I'm about to end my life and enter the, the, the other side, the other realm, and just leave myself, uh, you know, uh, helpless to, to wherever I'm drawn as a spirit at that point. I knew I was going somewhere, and it probably wasn't good up to, due to the life I had led up to that point, which was hideous heinous and ungodly um i I led a rock star lifestyle times 12 and i was never really a rock star but um not due to ego or anything just living very you know uh, uh i don't know devilishly i just you know uh and uh godlessly and but I, I knew there was God, and, and I was about to reach out to him at the last minute. I was like, God. So I sat there with the gun in hand and the, the headphones in as they are now. And, and I was like, God, if you're listening, um, I'm about to end it right now. And this was partly due to a court case that was uh, pending. Uh, I was arrested recently before that, like maybe two, three months before that. I was investigated for nearly a year before that, and um, and uh, I was responsible for the crime. Uh, uh, 
and I could have fought it, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't have the funds because it was uh, very circumstantial evidence. But um, uh, but I just decided, uh, the jig is up. My life, everything I built at that point, a business, a home, a wife, uh, it's, it's all about to come crashing around me. And nobody knows it because I'm not letting up to who I was, this double life I was living and all, you know, the, the particular kinds of crimes I was living on the side uh, and not telling anybody. Uh, didn't care for uh, recognition or I didn't want, you know. But um, so I, I, I spoke to the spirit world. I was like, look, God, if I'm, I'm, I'm meant to live uh, through this, uh, I, I need you to take over right now. And, um, and, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm about to end it. And, and yet I, I was, I, I knew I wasn't heading for anywhere good. And I was like, God, I know I, I haven't been good to you. I haven't led a, a proper life. Uh, but if, if I'm not meant to die, if this is not your will, uh, if this is not in the cards, uh, please, I'm giving it up to you to take my arm and when I swing it towards my head, normally a person would just put it to, towards their head, wherever they decide to put it, through the neck, through the mouth. I've considered all of it uh, through the heart. Heart would be the most definite. I wouldn't be here talking to you if that was the case. Sorry about the mic. Um, uh, so I thought uh, in the temple, but then, you know, just not long before I would I would take my life or attempt to. Uh, I was at a party at my own house and some uh, veteran uh, of the war was there. And he said, look, if you're captured by the enemy, this was just a conversation around the, around the living room. Uh, and you still have your gun in hand. You want to shoot yourself behind the ear, um, whatever this lump is back here, anatomically, I'm not sure. But uh, that's a definite uh, death. So I took that to heart and I said, Oh, I'm, that's where I'm going to end myself. And I didn't tell him I was suicidal at the time. So he was basically instructing me, uh, on my own method of suicide that I already was, uh, constructing in my head secretly. And, um, so I took that advice from him that he later regretted. He found out that I knew. And I, so I was heading that way. And meanwhile, that's where it landed but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Basically, I was just, it was a prayer to, to whoever was listening on the other side because I felt the presence beforehand. I was like, something's watching this. This is a moment where something, you know, whether demons are, are gathering around me to, to, to grapple, grab my soul and take it away uh, as soon as I pull the trigger or angels. But I, I felt the presences, you know, like there was, so much around me at, the, at that moment, yet no human life was around me. I was deep in a, in a graveyard in the back of that over, over, a, over a, a, a wooden, uh, no, a stone fence. And um, uh, excuse my memory, but I uh, struggle with uh, brain damage. But um, 
So I felt the presences of some. So that's probably what uh, coaxed me to talk to them and say, "Look, if I'm not meant to do this, I'm giving you this opportunity. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold the 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 gun out way out over here, and I'm just gonna swing it towards my head, and then shoot once it gets towards my head. But you are I'm giving you the opportunity to take my arm and aim it in such a way that I should survive the gunshot." Uh, so I might be half blind, I might be half deaf, I might be uh, mentally incapacitated in any number of ways. Um, and I was willing to survive in any of those outcomes if I'm meant to live. Because I, I, I knew a, a thing or two about spirituality and, and karma. And, uh, you know, uh, I, was, I was worried about uh, the after effects and, uh, that it would have on my soul. So I knew I would escape this uh, ordeal I was dealing with in this life, but I knew there was something else, you know, coming for the the act I was about to take. So I got up the courage, and it does take some courage. Uh, I, I don't like how people say, "Oh, suicide is a cowardly way out." Well, you've you've never strung a noose around your neck uh, at the top of a stool. Or, or a helium balloon around your head, or any, or, or stood at the edge of a bridge, or, or a gun to your head, because it takes great courage to face death and um, and enact it on yourself. Uh, when when murderers sit on the execution chair crying, and uh, you know. Uh, who have been willing to take other people's lives, but not but not their own. Uh, it, it takes great courage. And I found that courage and the willingness to just, I don't want to go on with the, with, with this life, the way it's going. So, um, but I knew it would also give me an edge, uh, if I should survive, uh, and deal with the, the court case I was about to deal with, um, give me leverage, uh, but to what extent I didn't know at that point. So I, I, I go ahead. I finally find the courage. I swing the, the gun towards me. And about as it gets to the halfway point, something grabs my arm and it continues to swing. But I knew at that point, I'm talking mere half a second, uh, which happens a lot more slowly, just like when you're about to face death in a car crash. It goes slow. Time slows down. And uh, and I felt the thing grab me, and it's an electrical shock of a feeling. Uh, it, it feels like a surge of energy and electricity uh, flowing through you from where it touches you. Um, and I know this feeling because I'm a taphophile, and many years earlier, I, I found a crypt in a graveyard, uh, and I was walking with a friend, and this is pertinent to the story, um, uh, how I recognize this feeling. From years earlier, I, I saw a vent uh, uh, of a crypt, and it fell off. It was a bronze vent, and it just allows air in and out so the bodies don't explode inside from the gas uh, building up in the body. So I saw this vent, and I looked through, and I see a coffin in there. It's wooden. And I thought, oh, I'm going to touch the coffin and just be a creep, you know. At the time, when I, well, I was godless, and um, and 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 wow, my friend who wouldn't do it, who was standing there watching me next to me, and I, I reach in. You, once your hands in, 
it was only as thin as my wrist, which is pretty thin. And I, once it's in, I couldn't see where my hand was. So I'm ready to feel for the coffin. And sure enough, something sh- struck my hand and, and it was a shocking sensation. Now it didn't burn. And I'm sure it wouldn't have burnt my hand like an electrocution would, but it's so shocking. It's still, you want to get away from it. And uh, so then I started pulling my arm out and the arms battering up and down this little vent trying to come out and to get away from this shocking sensation. And, and I've heard it before later in later years. That's how sh- that's how spirits when they're they're aggressive towards you that um, or, or when they're just trying to get your attention, they can touch you that way. And it feels like a shock that doesn't burn or it doesn't hurt, but it does startle you. And it does make you want it to stop. And um, so so I felt that once again when the angel touched me. Um, and it was so brief. And uh, at halfway, <laughs> that's all I felt. And um, But it was slowed down. And I could feel it, like the sensation. It was the same sensation as when that spirit told me, get your hand out of my grave uh, by shocking it out of there. And... Um, uh, it was the same sensation, and uh, but sure enough, it, it it made it to my head, and I know this angel grabbed hold of my arm like I asked it to seconds earlier, and um, or minutes earlier, whatever it was, and um, and aimed it in such a way that I'd survive it, but it did end up behind my ear, the same place I intended to go, but it didn't blast off half my ear or anything. Uh, but the, the crater behind my ear, you can't really see it through the hair, but it's, it's significant. It's more to the touch. You can certainly feel it. Um, uh, it migrated as it fused, as the bone fused back together, but it was further back originally. And, um, uh, uh, so it went, uh, so that's where it, it struck me. And, um, so, I mean, even the spirit knew I'm going to shoot myself either way. So whatever the result is, there's going to be some result. And I didn't know what it was going to be. I, but sure enough, uh, I cross over in such a way. It's just a shift. You know, I just got pushed out of my body into another dimension. I didn't go through a tunnel. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have any woo-woo sensations. I just was somewhere. I just felt like I was shifting. I was like in this reality and I got, you know, in reality, if somebody was watching the incident, my head blasted to one direction. I fell off the rock and, um, and I got, I, I got major whiplash from the, oh, sorry. Um, the incident. And, um, but that's later. And, uh, so I, I just got pushed. I felt, I felt me in my body just move out of my body, maybe a, a few feet in that direction into another realm. And uh, they, they, later I found out after studying this for so long, trying to make heads or tails of it, I realized that the other world, the other dimension, the other side is only a few feet from us. Um, uh, like uh, as as layers of other dimensions, and um, 
And sure enough, I just got pushed a few feet that way. And, um, and I didn't go through a tunnel. I was just immediately in that darkness, that realm of complete blackness, um, uh, that I've heard from other, your other guests. And, um, I've heard in, in other, uh, videos as well. Um, but not before that, before that, that, this was new to me. And, um, so I'm just there waiting. Uh, I'm just a consciousness at that point. I didn't feel I had a body. Um, I didn't, I, I just felt I was the only thing separating me from the blackness was my consciousness. I didn't, I didn't feel it was blackness against uh, a human body. Um, but this blackness, you can't make a room dark enough in this world to compare to that blackness. Just like they say vibrance and colors and, 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 and a variety of colors that don't exist on this world, people that have delved deeper into the other side through NDEs, um, this blackness is that much more vibrant than, than any blackness we could see in darkness on this world. And... Um, and that's just a waiting uh, 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 realm. Um, I thought I was ready for the worst, but um, I, I just, oh, oh, I also remember that when I, when I, sh when, when I was, when the, when the gun went off and I went from this world to the next, I felt that whoosh to the other side. And I also, first thing I said to myself on the other side, with my spirit brain, uh, not my physical brain, but my con my eternal consciousness, I said, "Here we go, <laughs> here we go." That's all I remember. I was so gung ho about it that I was just like, "Well, this is it. What's next? Let's do it." And um, and I just said, "Here we go," <laughs> and I didn't say anything else to myself while on the other side. I just patiently waited in this cool just comfortable, not a threatening realm at all. Uh, you know, I'm sure like so many other people, it opens up to something else, uh, whether hellish or heavenly. Uh, but no, I just stayed right there. And um, while they decided what to do with me, I didn't hear from anybody, but I stayed there for some time. And uh, I didn't look around. I didn't try to go anywhere. Uh, but at some point, I just felt myself being pulled back, and I knew inherently, instinctively, that I was going back to my body. And I was, you know, probably due to my earlier outer, outer body meditations um, that made me familiar with uh, consciously, purposely leaving the body. In the early 90s, I practiced this through Carlos Castaneda and uh, his books. And um, so I, I knew that sensation of, of, of moving spiritually between dimensions. And I just felt I was going back. And all I could say then, I do recall, is no, 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 no. I don't want this. No, don't take me back there. And um, I, I didn't care if angels took me, if it, devils took me. I just wanted to be on the other side because I wanted this certainty of knowing that, well, there's, you know, is the tax man going to get me? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to find food tomorrow? Am I going to freeze to death? 
none of that worry was there. Um, I didn't feel heavenly bliss or love, but I at least knew that you, you know, all the worldly problems were gone. And, um, and then I was getting sucked back and I didn't know what I was going to, what condition my body was going to be. But, um, but there I was back in it and, um, in a slumped uh, position in the leaves on the ground. And I was like, Oh, I got to make use. I got to, you know, uh, calibrate what, what I got left. What's, you know, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Is it still operational? And, um, so I, 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 I'm, I could see light through my eyes, but it's also awful blurry. And, um, and I could see that I could get up and, and, and motivate my body and move it around. So I thought to myself, well, uh, I have to go to the car. Uh, I didn't bring the phone with me thinking that I was going to die. So my, I had a flip phone at the time when the people were just starting to get smartphones. At the time. And, um, so I have to make myself my way across this graveyard blindly back to a car that I didn't even bother to, you know, remember where I parked it because I didn't think I was going back to it. And, um, but I got to call my wife. I got, I guess, I, gotta, I guess that was, I knew at that time. Oh no, no, no. Um, uh, just before that, uh, I, I searched through the leaves for the gun because I already felt the, the mess that my head was in the, the, the blood that was, you know, running down me. And I, I just wanted to be done with it. And I grant, I, I found the gun in the grass. It, it got away from me a little ways and I recocked it. And I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I forgot the, the deal I made with the angel at that point. I just wanted to get back to where I was heading. And I didn't even have anything, you know, at that point to say, Oh, that was worth going back to because it was just that black realm. I never got beyond that. And, uh, but I th thought, Hey, at least it was peaceful. It wasn't threatening. I'll go there. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I pick up the gun I recock it and it's jammed. The thing is jammed. Uh, I, I, it was brand new, fairly brand. New. It was only a year old. I only took it, uh, to the gun range once. And, uh, I, I took my wife there and she shot it for the first time. And to think that, you know, my wife would have had to live knowing she shot the same gun I ended my life with. But, um, uh, but it was jammed and, and I, I took that as divine intervention, Jeff, that, um, <clears throat> uh, no, I, you know, we re-aimed that gun so you can survive this. Now you're gonna, you know, you're, you're gonna, you asked us, we came through now you're, you're gonna live this out. Um, and they wouldn't let me reshoot myself, which I was ready to kill myself a second time, uh, <laughs> in a matter of minutes apart. And, um, so I was like that, that jammed, I couldn't get it to operate. So, uh, maybe dirt got in it. I don't know, technically, but, um, uh, so I made my way back to the car. I found the flip phone. I didn't even know what, 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 what graveyard I was in. Um, the name of the town still escapes me, but, um, but I told my wife on the phone in whatever state I was in, Honey, it was the graveyard. We took our friend from New Jersey. Um, uh, 
to, to visit while he came up to visit us. Uh, and, and remember we took pictures while we threw leaves up in the air and uh, while they were in mid, uh, and because of that picture, she was able to remember, I mean, we were at ton. I, I dragged her. She wasn't a taphophile like me, but I dragged her to so many new England graveyards. And if you live in new England, we got the most graveyards because we're the oldest corner of America. And, uh, we got the oldest graveyards. We got, more of them than anybody else. And I've taken her to so many. And, uh, and, and she had to know which one I was at because I couldn't tell her. I didn't know what town I was in. Um, but she knew. And I, for some reason, went back to the gun after. Uh, uh, I don't know if I. So I went back to the gun or the, the site and I sat down and waited for the police or whatever. And I was I remember. Uh, someone trying to get my attention. And uh, I was in, sitting in an Indian position. Uh, I was alerted again. And I saw the cop. You know, he had his hand on his holster because I had a gun nearby. And um, I was like, look, you know, I, I tried to end myself. I don't know. This is where I'm at right now. So he called the ambulance. And I don't remember anything from that point. But they uh, got me on the stretcher. They took me to the biggest hospital in New Hampshire, which is at the capital nearby, Concord, New Hampshire. And they couldn't save me. I was I died apparently two more times on the way to the uh, hospital um, that they revived me. Uh, it was later in the records I found out because I didn't have two more near de- near death experiences that I was aware of. Um and uh, uh, so they had to helicopter me to uh, Boston General Hospital, which is the largest hospital in all of New England. Um, and uh, there I would stay for two more months in a psych ward with uh, a lot of mentally uh, troubled people, um, which I guess I was one of them at the time. And um, and uh, I kind of liked it there, but uh, uh but uh, they 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 put me in a certain ward for you know, twenty uh, four hour watch and stuff until they were more comfortable with me. But um, so 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 that was that I suppose. Um, uh, as far as the near death experience, I didn't really I didn't travel t- too far. But but in my outer body experiences through Carlos Castaneda many years earlier in the early 90s, um, I had traveled much further into the outer realms purposefully um, than I did in my near-death experience um, where I think it was like 1992. Uh, I was reading this book and, and to learn how to, to, to leave the body uh, through Carlos Castaneda, uh, his guru was teaching him that you you have to master your dreams first before you even try to leave the body. So eventually, at some point, you're dreaming, and you have to realize in your dream, well, wait a minute, this is a dream. I'm in my dream body. And, uh, and once you've even realized that, then you have to try to control yourself in your dream, not just let your dreams control you and just... You know, many times we just want to sleep and rest and we just let the dream happen like a TV show. But Carlos Castaneda says, no, stop and realize you're in a dream and you could shape the dream any way you like, just like you can in a spirit form 
on the other side. Um, you could shape your reality. That's the norm on the other side. Well, that's that's sort of like dreams are. You can control them if you like. And uh, so there was just one dream that that happened. I, I was on a roller coaster in a dream. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm in this dream. What am I supposed to do now? I realize I'm in the dream. Uh, now I'm supposed to uh, do something that Carlos Castaneda told uh, a training technique um, to control the dream. So I'm supposed to. So I, the, the roller coaster was heading downhill. And I, as I realized I was in a dream. So then I started controlling the dream and the, the, the roller coaster ended up in what looked like uh, a warehouse uh, uh, with, with garage doors uh, and the doors were open and they, they looked out into a woodland uh, just beyond a, a small parking lot. And, um, and the roller coaster was going down slow, unlike a normal roller coaster. And, and, uh, and I saw the end of the tracks and they just stopped uh, uh empty you know nowhere to land uh but they just kind of came off the track sideways and i just fell sideways off the track and i'm watching myself as i'm controlling the dream i'm controlling the roller coaster and it goes sideways and now i'm looking out i don't know why i'm in a warehouse uh, uh some commercial business uh but that's just where it was and i saw the uh, woods out in front of me and Carlos Castaneda's guru, I forget his name, taught Carlos to take your hand now and place it in front of your face and hold it there as long as you can. And that's you exercising your, your, your dream state, uh, you know, uh, mastering that ability. And I did just said, I took my dream hand and I held it there. And I was like, wow, I'm holding my dream hand in front of my face. And, um, and sure enough, I woke up from the excitement of that. And it wasn't long after that I would master uh, purposefully just going into meditation. Some people accidentally leave their body from just meditating, but this is about doing it meaningfully. And, um, and uh, I, I happened to be in bed with uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and she was fast asleep and, and I decided I was playing some, uh, country Joe and the fish, uh, some mellow song they have that I would just put on repeat, uh, that, that helped me to get into that state. And, um, so that's playing and sure enough, um, my, my eyes are closed and I'm purposely just laying there in like coffin state, just, uh, uh, cause I'm all gothy or whatever. I don't know why I was laying like that, but, um, uh, oh, sorry. And, um, uh, so the eyes are closed and relaxed, but they start fluttering. They start fluttering, uh, uh involuntarily. And this motor, this otherworldly engine starts, uh, uh, starting up. Uh, it's, it's not an engine, but it just, that's what it sounds like. This powerful energy, uh, starts. It's like, okay, this is the mechanism that pulls my spirit from the body that I'm achieving purposefully through meditation. 
And sure enough, my body, my spirit lifts out of the body and um, starts moving down a tunnel. Uh, that's where I had the tunnel experience. But And these uh, ring-like lights uh, start going by, uh, showing me that I'm in motion. And I'm moving down this tunnel, but in a laying position, the same position I'm laying in my bed, I'm moving feet first through this tunnel in the very same position I'm laying. Um, and, and then I'm, I move into this realm where I'm uh, floating uh, weightless uh, through this peaceful realm. But I do look down. This is early 90s, and this is as clear as today, clear as any near-death experience, um, because the other world is the real world, and um, our spiritual memory is is more fastened is, is more concrete and uh, it just sticks with you uh, more than just passive memories of this lifetime uh, that the body has to just push out. All right, that's useless. We don't really need that. We, we need to make room for that, uh, leave that out. But every experience from, from your spirituality can be recalled like it's just happening as you're recalling it. And, um, so that's what's happening, and I and I, I happen to look over my shoulder in my in my laying position, and um, below me, I'd say about twelve feet down, uh, is is uh, spirits for for whatever reason they're down there, and they're they're just shoulder to shoulder, a sea of uh, just an ocean of spirits. They're not waving like an ocean; they're just still, and they're soft, blurry, and black. I see they're just their heads and shoulders. Uh, they're just too tightly fitted to see anything below that. And um, they're, just, they're just down there, and I'm just above them floating by. And that was enough to say, I don't know where I am. <clears throat> I probably shouldn't go any further because I basically skipped to the last page. I didn't – I was like, how do you do this? You know, I just, I just wanted to learn how to leave the body. I don't want to learn all the – in between and apparently i learned that i learned how to do this years earlier than carlos himself learned how to do it i learned within weeks uh well let me tell you i can't do it anymore um but but don't let me get ahead of myself ultimately i did get sucked back and i had a friend who actually went up top of a mountain lived in a cave uh ate bugs and um, meditated for so long, uh, like the like Indonesian people do, if I'm saying that right, um, you know, that they could meditate and they look like corpses. They've been meditating so long. Uh, they, they have bodies that are apparently still meditating, but, but they look to us like they're dead and they keep them upright in the Indian position, Indian style, whatever. And um uh, that's what he was doing. He damaged his body from meditating like that so long. Uh, and he's like, he, I told him about it and he's like, don't do it, dude. You have to know where you're going on the other side. I was like, well, all I wanted to do is just stay in this realm and, and roam around and scare my friends like a ghost. I was like, I was such a dummy you know, at the time. I'm like in my early twenties, I'm 50 now. But, um, but I was like, instead, I didn't know where I was going. So I went into another realm where all these, you know, this ocean of spirits were. And I, and I, I, I purposely 
pulled myself back. Uh, and that's when he says, you got to know where you're going and what you're doing. And uh, I started to take it more seriously. And then uh, from there, I would just, uh, I taught my girlfriend at the time of four years. I was like, you got to try this. Because when I, when I got sucked back, I, I was thrusted back in the body and I jolted upwards and I got her awake. And I was like, oh my God, you wouldn't know what I just been through. I got it. And um, I just, I, uh, oh, sorry. Um, and um, I just, uh, I, I, I showed her how to do it. Uh, I was like, well, I'm going to take you through the process. And I, I just hypnotized her basically into a meditative state. And she started leaving. And uh, she only got to the fluttering state, the motor, and just pulling out. And then she, that was enough for her because you remain conscious through this. And you can pull yourself back any time. And, and that's as far as she got. And she's like, nope, that's true. That, that happens. You, I, I didn't want to get any further. But it's good she didn't. She wouldn't know what the which would be like a five-year-old in a car, you know, taking over the wheel at 50 miles an hour. You don't know what you're doing over there. And, um, and, and many years later into 1998, I met another girl in Southern Connecticut and in my bedroom there, I, 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 I talked her through it and she went to that meditative state and she moved just so far out that it spooked to her. It spooked her just like it spooked my earlier girlfriend and um and then she rushed back into the body and uh she's like nope i don't want to know i that was enough for me you know and uh and now i couldn't walk anybody through it because it's so many years ago and uh but up until recently uh in 2015-16 i spent a, a county year in in jail in new hampshire for that case um, uh, I, I took a plea bargain. I, I, they ultimately felt sorry for me. I, I, I shouldn't own that gun uh, while I was under investigation. And, uh, they could have gave me more years for that. I, I was facing 15, 30 years and I got eight months. So um, talk about, you know, how, it, you know, the spirit world also used that incident to, okay, we're going to help you get past your mistakes in life just don't do it again you're gonna you know uh you're gonna be enlightened and you're gonna be on a new path and uh that ultimately led me to to of course i i have to you know i i have to get away from the evil that 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 drew me to wanting to off myself and um so you know, I you know I could look into Buddhism, I could look into Islam, I could look into all this, but I, I felt I could critique all that, and it just didn't make sense to me, maybe culturally or whatever. It just it didn't I didn't understand it, but I was like, okay, Jesus, I, I understand that. I I was introduced to him early in life. Maybe if I could come to him on my own terms, and I found him through uh, through Christianity. That's just a you know I think it's uh, it's it's. Uh, the devil's work that that caused all these different sects of our religion evangelism uh, 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 Jehovah's Witness uh, Baptist you know Presbyterian that that you can't tell me that that isn't you know the, the devil trying to trip us up in our own faith and our own path to Jesus when ultimately I think it's just Christianity and the other ones just kind of convolute 
the message. Um, so I just figured, I just want to know what Jesus has to say. I don't want to know all the religions that were formed around what he had to say. Um, and I just found Christianity to be the purest, truest path back to just Jesus's teachings. And I thought, well, sure enough, it took, I didn't just adopt Jesus after that. Uh, I had eight months in jail and I tried to meditate to outer body meditate in jail. Ah, they, they won't keep me in here. I know how to leave my body. It's been many years since, but uh, no, uh, because it's been so many years and uh, so many experiences and I've become so jaded and broken in life that I couldn't, you know, I, I wasn't in that simplistic early 90s, younger self state of mind. Uh, I think much more complex. And um, I couldn't uh, I couldn't achieve that anymore. Uh, so I was stuck in jail for those eight months. But, um, but I did try to find during that time, uh, you know, my way back to Jesus to get to know him better. Because I need, I need some defense. Uh, I'm a darker spirit. Uh, I'm a darker natured person to this very day. You'll see behind me maybe uh, some of my paintings. And uh, I'm not influenced or inspired to, to draw angelic scenes or, or, or loving, uh, peaceful, serene uh, scenes. Uh, I'm still a tormented soul. Um, I still have a dark nature about me. And um, God's got his work cut out for me, more so maybe than some people. Uh, and um, so uh, what's the point? Um, but you'll notice none of my darker imagery is, is occultish or satanic. It's just spooky because uh, I just have a, a knack for that kind of imagery. And uh, I'm known for it I'm, uh, in the comics and the uh, heavy metal uh uh, world i've done album covers and uh, uh for notable bands and, and that's just what i'm known for and i just don't want to break away from that i don't think the dark imagery or my my naturally dark nature makes me evil there's a separate there's a division there is darkness and then there's evil and i think you know there's lots of dark stories in, in the bible and uh uh, that are fascinating, but uh, I'm just dark natured. I can't help it. I, maybe it's a Scorpio. They say Scorpios are darker people. I don't, I don't discredit the horoscopes just because now I'm Christian. I don't read them anymore, but, um, I, I know there's something to them, but, um, it's just, it's, it's my makeup. So I know I have a harder time, you know, uh, uh, staying with the light so i i, I do need uh someone like jesus uh, i think we all do but um uh, to keep me on the right path first i want to say thank you for sharing those parts of your life with us and besides becoming a christian what other ways have you changed since that incident oh uh well that's 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 really it. I mean, I'm a Christian, but but God sees uh, a lump of soft clay in me, and I just like God, just reshape Jesus, reshape me. Just you know, more of you, less of me, as we say. Uh, I need a lot less of me because I def definitely came from a place of ego, and um, 
uh, as artists and musicians tend to do. And um, uh, I just feel like I'm a much uh, gentler. I was always very patient with, with my fellow man, but I'm, I'm just much gen- more gentler. Um, I'm much more genuine uh, when, you know, uh, I always had a soft spot for, 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 for handicapped people, for mentally handicapped people. Uh, but I have more so now. Um, I, I walked the walk just the other night. I was in Portland, Maine, walking the, the, down, the, the streets and, um, I had my headphones on listening to some metal band and, um, and some, some ho- obviously homeless man was, uh, was on a bench beside me with his, with his shopping cart full of his only belongings in life. And he was trying to get my attention and I was in my own little world as I'm passing him. But, but I just caught that he was trying to get my attention and, um, uh, and then he threw his hands up in frustrating frustration, realizing, Oh, here's just another person that don't care about me sitting here. Um, and, and, and I, all I said was good night. Sorry. Good night. And I just kept walking. I was like, wait, that was my opportunity. I, I got this new cross just the other night. It's uh, uh, two days ago and I'm wearing it and I'm not living it. Uh, and so I stopped. I wanted to finish hearing my song, but, uh, but I stopped and I was like, what, what should I do? And I'm going to go back and apologize to this man and uh, ask how I can help. So I did. I finished my song and I go back and I just talk to him a little bit. And I say, how are you doing out here? Uh, are, are people helping you? Are you getting by? And, uh, and then I ask, can I help you? Would you Would you be okay if I just uh, gave you some money to get you help you on your way and um because at first he was a little aggressive and a little standoffish and, but but i talked to him a little bit and i saw him softening up and then i said would you mind if i gave you a little money and uh and he was fine with that and i, and I threw him a 20 and um and you know you know you can't you can't give them a whole lot, but you give them a little and then you hope the next person does and everybody just does their part and everybody and these people would, their needs would be met. And, um, uh, so, so that's, that's the person I am today. And I do a lot of voluntary work, volunteer work. Uh, so I was released from uh, prison, uh, 2016, and I went right into volunteer work. I went to soup kitchens. I went to veterans hospitals. Uh, I went to homeless pet shelters and, and walked the dogs and um, uh, whatever I could find. Uh, and through my church, I would go to the hospices. I was on the worship team as a drummer and a bongo player because I'm a percussionist and a vocalist, but I, I don't do the vocals with the worship team. I do with the metal bands I'm in. But um and then we would go to the hospice and, and, and perform for for the, the, those nearing uh, the ends of their lives, and um, and we try to you know we we would set out communion for them, which is you know the the body the body and blood of Christ, and um, and, and 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 try to help them on their way to the other side and entertain them through some music. So whatever I could do, uh, I'm just a vessel for the Lord now, but uh, a servant 
uh, of God. And, um, and, but I'm still tough as nails and still jaded. And I'm still working on the broken self that I came from, the, the very evil background I come from that you just don't wash that away. And I'm very still suicidally depressed. And they say, you know, some of your guests, like, you know, you come back even more depressed. Well, I was more depressed just coming back from that black realm. I thought that was better than what, what the uncertainty of this life. Never mind the heavenly escapes that these people go to and then they have to come back and 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 leave that for a time Uh, that's horrible so i'm still suicidally depressed um to this day um but god assists me with that the same way you know uh someone who loses their leg in a war or an accident uh god's not going to let you grow your leg back just because you found god but he's going to give you the strength uh, uh, it takes and the empowerment to, to, to live with whatever impairment you, you, you're, you're faced with in life. And mine's just suicidal depression to this day, but, um, and, and whatever, uh, uh, mental, uh, obstructions, uh, I face through my uh, brain damage, but, um, but that's very little. I'm, I'm a better illustrator than I was before the accident. Uh, the, the paintings I do are just, you know, and the tattoo work I do now is, is, is so much better. Uh, so I, I'm an improved person coming back as a physically damaged person. And one more thing I want to add, um, uh, which is so odd, uh, about two years ago, 2018, 19, uh, I was living in Southern New Jersey and, uh, I was trying to reform my band with, with a musician down there and uh, my band from New Hampshire, but I'm in Southern New Jersey trying to find new guys, metal head down there. Uh, I'm like, Hey, he's like, well, you know, he just lost a son. He had another son and he was introducing him to metal. And he's like, well, I'm going to an obituary show, band, a death metal band called obituary. And um, maybe you want to come along with me to that show. And I'm trying to win this guy over as my guitarist. He's a very good guitarist. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll go to the show. As far as I'm concerned, I'll never have to see another show again in my life. Be happy. I've seen so many metal shows in so many countries. I'm done with it. You know, I've just had my fill. And uh, I still listen to it, but I don't. I don't need the live uh, experience anymore. But I'm I'm trying to win this guy over, and uh, so I'll go. And I go, and he's way up to the front of the stage, right before the band's about to go on the the the, the, lead, the lead leading band obituary. And so I go up there with him. I don't want to be up there because it's going to be a massive mosh pit. I'm 48 at the time. And I'm like, I don't need to be in this mosh pit. I've been in mosh pits before, surfing the crowd, jumping off stage. I've done all that crazy stuff. I'm too old for that now. But I'm, but I've, I've, I've lured into it by this other older guy who shouldn't be there, but he's trying to impress his son or whatever. And, uh, it's a, and uh, so the band goes on and I'm telling you, Jeff, this, this band wasn't on two minutes and I'm in, squished in front of the stage and the, the pit is forming behind me. And this is like a tornado that forms in a crowd of young adolescents, angry youth, you know, uh, it's just a tornado of anger and hate and, uh, and flesh and bone. And, uh, and I, I don't want to be a part of this, but I'm just like, okay, I'm wishing for the best. 
And and I'm looking, I'm turned around, not towards the band, trying to watch my back that these people don't knock me out because I got brain damage from my, my gunshot in, incident. And uh, the the bullet's still in my brain. I don't, I have shrapnel. I have hair fragments, bone fragments in my brain, all scattered out. It ricocheted my brain. My brain is Swiss cheese. Uh, and I just don't know. I don't have health insurance. I don't know what it takes to to just snap my, you know, to hemorrhage my brain and just leave me dead. So I'm, I, I don't get into vice fights. I've never, I'm nonviolent. I'm not worried about that. But I'm worried about someone hitting me in such a way that I I die on the spot. Um, but sure enough, I'm turned around facing them, and somebody gets up on stage and is ready to uh, to crowd dive. And the, the crowd's supposed to just hold you up and, and carry out until you fall into the crowd and you do it again and it's whatever. But uh, this guy goes ahead and does that in my direction. And I'm not looking at him because I'm looking at the mosh pit foreman behind me, watching out for them. And his his work boot lands on, comes right on my head like a missile, you know, like a just uh, – perfectly aligned with the center of my dome and it's a steel toe boot i just turn around just enough time to see it coming at me not enough time to avoid it and he just kicks down with a steel toe boot in the center of my head my already damaged brain and um and boom i just feel that thing just just take me out and i i see white i don't see blackness at that point i just see white and um um, uh, and so I'm, I'm lose control of my body and yet I maintain consciousness at this point. I'm seeing white and I feel my body, uh, heading for the floor. I just start falling backwards, standing position. Then I'm just heading backwards, not, not crumpling downward, but just falling over and I'm backwards and I'm like, Oh, that's a concrete floor. And as I'm falling, I'm thinking all these thoughts. Once again, time slows down. It's like one of those near death experiences again. And, uh, here it goes. And, uh, as soon as my head hits that floor and if nobody catches me midway, it's going to hit that concrete. It's going to shake up whatever is going on in my head already. And I'm, I'm done. I'm going to die at an obituary concert. And that's, that's going to be perfect for a metalhead. You know, it's going to show up in the obituaries tomorrow that I died at an obituary show. Just, I'm thinking this as I'm heading for the floor and I'm thinking how ironic this is. Yeah, this is pr- kind of pretty cool. You know, it's a good way to die, I guess, but I wasn't ready to go at that point. And, um, but here it is, and, and I feel my head thud against the floor. I don't feel the pain or nothing, but my head bounces off the concrete, the back of my head, and I'm just waiting to die. But no, instead, I, I become alert and gain control of my body slowly enough. Someone's picking me up. It's a security guard, and he's pushing me through the crowd, getting me out of the violence section. And um, I was like... Uh, stick with me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm still waiting for, you know, some, you know, a vessel to pop in my brain or something. And uh, instead I'm gaining full control of my body and I'm not even hurt. There's not even a bump in my head. I'm like, I'm fine. This is crazy. And I go upstairs and watch the rest of the show. 
uh, and buy a T-shirt from one of the bands, you know, and I'm in great shape. I'm like, what was that? And later on, I learned, I don't know how I learned it, but it just became intuitive that um, that needed to happen because if it if I didn't hit the floor that day, it was almost like if you I'm dating myself, but Happy Days, the TV show, Fonzie would hit the jukebox in such a way that the music would go on without him having to pay for the drop a dime. And I think that's what happened to me. I needed that certain jolt. It was it was basically the surgery I never got on my brain. They just they just stitched it up and hoped for the best. I never got nothing. And um but it, I needed something and I just needed that thud. It was just that adjustment to my brain that I needed to to go on or I wasn't going to go on much longer. Um, that was my surgery that, that hit the floor at an obituary show. Um, and I'm sure of it. I don't know why I'm sure of it, but that's, that was, that was the angelic look. You need to go to that show. You need to get hit. And this is, this is how we're just going to fix you for the, for the majority of your life. So insane. I, I developed psychic skills after my first, uh, uh, near death experience, um with the with the gunshot wound as well we didn't talk about um and uh so i i went under so i left the hospital after two months boston general and i went immediately under house arrest with with a arm uh, with the ankle ankle bracelet you know monitoring bracelet uh monitoring my movements that i didn't leave the house too far and um i stayed there on house arrest for two years while I recovered from my head injury. Um, so at that time I was still doing interviews. Uh, I was plugging, I just released an album, uh, before I shot myself, we just recorded an album. And, um, so I, so I, then I was in the hospital for two months and I come out and I started promoting the album. It's all I could do under house arrest, but I was dealing with all these psychic abilities, uh, that I wasn't, aware of you know uh such abilities even uh existed now i haven't heard of this one ability from anyone else uh who suffered ndes but myself uh among other abilities i had first thing everybody looked like cartoons like if i was looking at you right now you would look like elmer fudd the elmer fudd version of yourself uh just ridiculous people look ridiculous and um i couldn't look at people for a while and then if i looked at the stars they look like water bugs moving around the sky um everything just uh i just had to my brain had to rewire uh, i don't think that was spiritual that was just my brain having to rewire to this reality um but what was spiritual uh was um you know, I would go on these little walks around the house in Andover, New Hampshire, uh, deep in the woods, in the mountains, uh, very peaceful. Uh, horses next door I made friends with for those two years. And um, uh, I would get these questions during these walks, Any quite like, like questions we any of us would have, the meaning of life questions, the big questions. But uh, as soon as I would have this question, like, God, why do we suffer? God, uh, what's the meaning of this? What, you know, actually, I wasn't even asking God. I was just asking myself. 
but God would reply. And, and, and all of a sudden, this rush of information would come into my head. But it would start out with just the answer. Whoa, I didn't expect to get that answer. That's a big answer. Uh, but I could wrap my brain around it. But then it's, the answers would start expanding in my brain. And it was just a download of information. Oh, you like that? Well, here's some more. And it just wouldn't stop. And it was just like, well, I, I don't know how to stop this inf- incoming information that nobody knows on this earth. Just, I, you know, I was like, our brains can't contain that much information, but they're just not that evolved yet. And, um, and I, I would go into a panic and I would just fall into a ball and, and, and try to stop my brain. Uh, and then I'd have to be careful. Because, you know, another time it would slow down, it would stop. But another time I would just have another thought. And then instead of just, you know, the answer coming to me or, or I wouldn't even, you, you, you don't get the answer. You just get the thought. What is this all about? But then I got the answer, but then it just wouldn't stop. I get more and more information. So I'd be afraid to even think about stuff. Uh, and that, that went on for a, at least a year. And then that would slow down because I didn't want it. I didn't want to exercise it. But a lot of that information stayed with me. It's just as it passed through my head, I wasn't asking for that. But I was like, oh, I know that now. And it stayed with me. So some of these big questions are just stuck in my head. And um, and to this day, if it's not stuck in my head, I could sit quietly long enough and I will get that answer. I don't have that information retained in my head, but I still can have it downloaded to me if I stick with the question long enough. Hmm. Um, That's amazing. So on my, yeah, on my YouTube channel, if people ask me stuff, I say, well, I don't know if I have the answer, but I'll, I'll sit with it. And if it comes to me, I'll tell you, but I don't know, you know, well, due let to me, my uh, own knowledge. Let me change gears on you because I'm running out of time here. Um, sure. What is your YouTube channel? First of all, yes, um, it's uncanny. Oh no, uh, YouTube is Razor Wrecker, R A Y Z E R Wrecker, as it's spelled. Um, and um, there, I go into my taphophile interests. Uh, I go to graveyards. I recite. Uh, uh, inscriptions from graves, and um, uh, sometimes I get a, a EVP, you know, in the uh, in the graveyard or whatever. Just um, uh, I just go into whatever uh, right. on there, and I have my Facebook channel, Uncanny Conceptions. That's just where you can see my artwork. It's just my art gallery. Yes, and, um, I was going to ask you that because you're an illustrator. Is that where your website is? It's on Facebook, or do you have a separate website for that? Oh, it's just on Facebook. I, I used to have a website called Maggot's Delight, you know, but um, that's no longer operational. But um, uh, well, I'll put links yeah. to those. I'll put links to those in the description. Uh, Renard, before we finish it up here, do you have one last message that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, let me see. Uh, if I wrote anything down here. Uh, oh yeah here's a great message um um addiction uh is, is such a stigmata 
or a stigma uh, in society. And I think a lot of near, near NDEers suffer addiction uh, as I do, but for different reasons than other people suffer uh, chemical addictions like uh, weed and alcohol. Now, I only like uh, beer, uh, so, some hard liquor, and uh, weed. I don't mess with hard drugs. I don't mess with psych meds. But um, but a lot of us uh, struggle with uh, alcohol and weed addiction. And I think uh, why we do is different than other people do. And, uh, and that's mainly because uh, we're trying to relive um, that other side uh, euphoria and um, uh, that, that, that comfort zone. And um, where other people are just looking for escape similarly but um many of us do suffer addiction not not all of us but i'm one of them i you know i don't suffer uh you know i don't drink to get drunk i don't smoke to get high i I do it to deal with my ptsd but I, i think a lot of us are prone to addiction and uh we're seeking that blissful high of what we felt while we were on the other side and um and uh I, you know, I just hope we're better understood for that. But um, uh, other than that, I just, I just hope people uh, f- find their way to God because uh, God is a source of love. And if you truly think you love somebody without God in your life, how, how, how are you loving? If you're not drawing from the only well that is of love, and that's God, um, you know, so I, I, w- I would I would just sit with that thought. You know, if uh, if 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 you're living a godless lifestyle uh, and you're struggling and, and you're not really feeling love, you ought to you ought to go to the source <laughs> and get to that well because. Uh, uh, you can't love without God, as, as far as I'm concerned. And thank Jesus you. is a good one. You're doing it. <laughs> you know? so. Renard, thank you for that message. And thank you for sharing your life with us today and giving me some of your time. I really appreciate you. I wish you massive success and uh, have a great evening. And I appreciate so much this opportunity to get the message out to your audience and I'm so grateful and and may God bless you richly in life Jeff thank you and may God bless you (laughs) thank you Mm -hmm. All right. bye 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 thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast I really appreciate you another way to show support is through YouTube memberships and if you do there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership all you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more thank you for your support